there are so many hurdles to sales. The person on the other side of the line, or on the other end of the line, does not want to talk to you. And in your entire career, you're not going to call a single person that wants to talk to you. Hmm. So that's a hurdle to jump over. You have to really jump over the hurdle and understand they don't want to talk to you. But if you believe in your product, which we do here, then you know you know that if they do give you an opportunity, you're going to give them better service and they're going to have a better experience and you're going to find a way to have a real deep relationship with them. Hey there, this is Ben. Thanks for tuning in to Lead the Team. Before we jump in, we just broke into the top 2% of all podcasts globally, and that's largely due to the support of listeners just like you. I invite you to subscribe so you're notified when we release a new episode and also leave a quick review. Welcome back to Lead the Team with number one best-selling author and in-demand corporate trainer, Ben Fanning. On this podcast, the world's most innovative senior leaders share their top success strategies to motivate your direct reports, cultivate your top leaders, and accelerate your career. Let's get started. Here's Ben. Hey, Lead the Team Nation. Welcome back. Today I have for you Steve Cox, who is president at Steam Logistics based in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And he has over 25 years in the freight brokerage industry. And he says that he's been fortunate to be part of two explosive growth logistics companies. And we're going to dig into that today in this episode. Steve, welcome to Lead the Team. I really appreciate the opportunity. So let's let's start out by digging into speedo running. Yeah, people love this one. You know, they they show this video to all of our new employee classes that come in. It was uh it was a bet I lost uh, back in 2016. Uh, I made a bet to the company. At the time, we were probably 20 people uh, maximum. And uh, I made a bet that if we grew at 60% that year in uh, top line sales, that I would don a Speedo only uh, and run down Market Street, which is the main street here in Chattanooga, uh, a full mile, which, uh, you know, it, it was, uh, it was, and it was January 4th also. So, oh, uh, you know, I grew wow. up in Minnesota, but I'm now in Chattanooga. And, and so that wasn't a too bad for me, but it was in the forties that day, but it was, uh, you know, they, they bought the Speedo for me. I think they bought it. A, you know, we, we have a, you know, it can be a mean group once in a while, you know, they can, they can be, <laughs> they can be rough on you, but they bought, I think the Speedo was a size too small, uh, and they, and they gave me a steam logistics flag and I ran down the street and they, they didn't tell me they're going to call channel nine here in town either. So they had the, they had the <laughs> crew out here and it, if you, if you Google man running down the street in a speedo in Chattanooga, you'll find, uh, you'll find that video, but, but it was, it was really good for our people. And, and I wasn't going to uh, go back on that bet. So what was the bet? It was you, we have to hit this certain business threshold of 60%. And if you do that. Yes. I will do this humiliating thing. So is this part of your leadership philosophy of creating wagers? It uh, really, fun it, or uh, it really or, is. Uh, you know, we yeah, obviously we're a very heavy sales culture. We have 900 employees and almost 700 of them are salespeople. So uh it does. Wow. It, it it keeps me young for sure. We have a a lot of, you know, we have obviously our age range is all over the place for our salespeople, but uh, it definitely keeps me very young and we, we hold contests all the time. You know, you, you've probably been in sales and a lot of people listening has probably have been in sales and it, it can be, uh, it can be hard. And, and so you have to figure out ways to make it fun as often as possible. And, and so that was one of them. And, and the funny thing was, I think the goal was at that, at that time was 14 million would have been 60% growth. 
they literally hit 14 million, 100,000. So they, it's not like they blew the goal away, but they, they had to hit that. So uh, they could see me <laughs> run down the street. So that, you know, oh. that's how it works. Yeah, no, that's great. I think it's important for leaders to think about that. Number one, uh, get creative. Yeah. And there are ways to motivate your team other than just with money. Of course, money can be a motivator and thinking about purpose and alignment to the company vision and all that. But sometimes it's just creating a fun contest and having some fun and some camaraderie and having a great laugh. And no doubt about it. And I, and even I have an example today at four o'clock that one of the salespeople put this on my calendar. Uh, I told them if they, they brought this certain customer in that I would put my, uh, football helmet back on and they could use me as a human battering ram into the gong. And, and they love doing that. And, uh, so four of them will pick me up arms and legs and, and <laughs> use me as a battering ram to, to sound the gong. Our gong is our uh, mm. new customer indicator. So when you hear the gong in the office, it means we have a new customer. And so they're going to use me as the human battering ram today at four o'clock. Wow. I love it. So much fun. And it's, and it's interesting when people think of steam logistics, you know, they think of logistics, right? Yes. And they don't think about necessarily associating it with sales. Yeah. And when you combine those two, what do you get? Like, what's the culture like? I mean, I, I liken it to the, the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. I mean, it's, it's very loud. It's very active. People are communicating with each other on the floor. Uh, it, it's fast pace. It's a fast muscle twitch, we call it. And, and, and it's, uh, it, it's, I think it's a neat thing to be a part of. People that come and, and do tours here are amazed by what they hear, see, and feel when they walk in the door. Hmm. Well, wow. and is that so? You've been with the company since there are twenty employees, and now you're at nine hundred. Yes. Is this is this a culture that you felt like you wanted to foster as a leader, or did it just a culture that organically came about over time? Or I think that cultures uh, are 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 very calculated. I, I think the hmm. cultures that work well are very calculated. Uh, you you know, in my past, I've seen uh, what has worked uh, in, on a sales floor and logistics. And so, you know, we're very careful to, to have an environment where we're hope it doesn't get stale for our salespeople. And, uh, they can, they can try to have fun during the day. It can be, it can be a real grind. There are times when, uh, you know, on, on the capacity side, the trucks are tight and it's hard to find capacity. There's times when, uh, trucks are loose and it's hard to find customers to give us freight. And so, uh, it can be a real grind. So yeah, we, we look for ways to to lighten the mood as often as we can. Mm. All right, leaders. Another fun way to think about this. Leaders lightening the mood for their employees to help them keep going because especially in an intense. So I, I, I really think of the New York Stock Exchange as being a very intense environment. Yeah. And uh, having a little loosening of the collar and loosening of the environment can be so important to foster creativity, teamwork, and all, yep. all that good stuff. And one of the um, things we talk a lot about is that we let's all admit that this is hard. Let's all admit, uh, let's have the the salesperson admit it and uh, leadership admit that it takes months to to kind of get over the hump of sales and 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 to not worry as much about what the other person on the other line is is thinking or how they're treating you on the call. Uh, but let's all let's all come to terms with what it's like to sell uh, and then get us all over the hump so we can sell more effectively. And and so. We all know, we, we tell our people, it's hard to sell. And, and we understand that it's hard. And I've been there. But what's really cool about what we've done, and, and I started a room with two people, uh, and I had to either sell or not pay my mortgage. 
Uh, so I understood wow. what it was yeah. like to start from scratch and and have to really bust it to grow something and 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 pay the bills. And so, you know, as a leader, uh, it is much easier to do that when you've done it yourself. Uh, and I and yeah. I know that's that's obvious, but it, it just really is. And and that and respect, credibility piece is huge when you've done yeah. it yourself. And sales is a high rejection job. When I did when I was in sales years ago, my boss would walk around and he didn't ask us how many sales we'd closed. He asked us how many no's we've gotten today. Yeah. And he can he knew if we'd gotten the no's, uh, then the yeses would come. But we don't get to the yeses without getting the no's. And for those of you listening and leaders listening, if you've never been in sales, imagine a job where Every day you went in and your job was to get rejected. <laughs> Am I right, Steve? I mean, it's so true. That's so part true. of it. Yeah. And we talk about oh. hurdles, but, you know, we, we say there are so many hurdles to, to sales and, 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 you know, one of the hurdles that, that we look at is just understanding that the person on the other side of the line or on the other end of the line does not want to talk to you. Uh, and, and in your entire career, you're not going to call a single person that wants to talk to you. Hmm. So that's a hurdle to jump over. You have to really jump over the hurdle and understand they don't want to talk to you. But if you believe in your product, which we do here, uh, then you know you know that if they do give you an opportunity, you're going to give them better service and they're going to have a better experience and you're going to find a, a, a way to have a real deep relationship with them. But you, you have to believe you're, they don't want to talk to you at all. And, and I always say the second hurdle is actually wanting to talk to someone, right? Because you know, when you get on the phone and and you're hoping that it goes to voicemail, you haven't jumped over the second hurdle yet. You want mm. to talk to a decision maker. And until you've talked to that decision maker, you have no chance of getting the business. So there's a couple sales hurdles we try to get our people yeah. over. And that and that and that's well, uh, I commend you on really acknowledging the challenge of it, and you can't because you've been there, uh, versus glossing over it and just being all rah-rah. It's important, I think, and you get so much more credibility. You're like, yeah, this is hard, and these are what you have to jump over. And, um, I mean, I can remember when I was in sales, I was very, uh, I'd been to sales training and I'd been on the buying side of the business for, for years and moving into sales. And I thought, man, I have all this credibility on the buying side. I know, I know the language of the buyer, but what I was not prepared for was the rejection. Mm -hmm. And I think I was so timid and tentative that it took me a while, but it was like, I don't know if you experienced this. And your new employees, but there's like a a switch that will flip, and all of a sudden they're more creative, they sound more passionate, yeah, uh, they're willing to sit there on the phone and really work it. And you're like, okay, now, now they're getting it. There's maybe a well, I don't know. How do, how do you and I love your I love that that narrative because and 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 to, to expound on that, like. You know, our big thing is we don't have offices here. So we have, we're a, we're a $760 million company. Our, you know, myself, I'm the president, their CEO, there are no executives that sit in an office anywhere. And hmm. so we sit in the middle of the floor and, and I've always encouraged our pod leaders who are bringing in new employees to be making sales calls. So your new employees can hear those sales calls uh, because they know uh, what you're up to. Uh, uh -huh. They're hearing the way you're selling the customer, what you're saying on the call. So then you know, the neat thing is you start hearing your people saying the same things and, and selling the same way you are because you've been, if you're a pod leader here and you're hiring people, it means you've been successful in sales and bringing in business. Uh, so we, I mean, the newest people always sit next, right next to the pod leader. And then as you, as you hire more, you push, 
the more experienced people away and, and away from you further and keep those new people close so they can continue to hear your sales calls, hear how you sell. Uh, it's really effective. It's an effective way to do that. So when, when you say that there's a switch to flip, uh, that that is very, very pertinent. I'm glad you mentioned that strategy and I hope the people are listening uh, to that. Uh, that's huge. I, uh, in my training, I sat with a group of other sales leaders, although we were out, we were on the streets in New York a lot, but we were in our office, but I did not ever sit next to my manager and hear them do a sales call. It was usually as I was to set up a meeting with my prospect or my customer, lay it out and then invite them in. But I always let it and he yeah. or she would support. And I think what you're saying is actually a new angle and a very stronger, it's a stronger way to do it. Someone that will sit beside you on the phone doing the same activity you're doing yes, and demonstrating it, not telling you one, two, three, no, watch, watch Ben. Yeah. This is how I do it. And I mean, man, that would have accelerated. I think my growth, I think, it'll, I think that obviously is, is, is maybe been one of the secret sauces for you guys and your growth. Certainly. Yeah. And, and, and what yeah. to, to even further that you have an opportunity to hear how they're selling the customer and, you know, they know you're listening, which is, you know, it might be hard for them at first, uh, but yeah, then you're on the spot think, a little bit, but yeah, they value that after a while. Like, okay, how did that, how do you think that went? How did that sound? I just, I think, I think it's very valuable for people to, to, to do that. And then it, it just, it it's, we've needed that, for, you know, we've grown, you know, in 2019, we did 33 million in sales. Last year, we did 760 million in sales. So in three years, we've gone, you know, 33, 98, uh, uh, 350, and now 765 last year in sales. And so when you do that, you have a lot of new salespeople on the floor and you better figure out how to train them as quickly as possible uh, because the business keeps coming. Wow. Okay. I could keep talking sales with you because I yeah. love this. Uh, I, I do want to dig into your background a little bit more other than just Speedo running. Yeah. Uh, all Speedo was pretty cool. You say that the business that you're in changed your life. Yeah. Which is not a, which is not a small statement. What do you mean by that? Yeah. I mean, just the opportunity, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, and, and we foster this here at Steam Logistics, but the opportunity to have a, a career where it just doesn't matter where you grew up, uh, where you went to college, uh, what's what's happened in the past. Just an opportunity to come in and 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 make life changing money, uh, or to learn a skill that will give you the opportunity to make life changing money. Like logistics did that for me. Uh, I was able to grow with a company called Access America Transport back in you know 06 to 2013. We sold that business to Coyote Logistics. Uh, who mm -hmm. sold a year later to UPS. Uh, but in that uh, process, you know, I, I learned so much, but it it did change my life. I mean, I grew up in, uh, a, you know, very modest I, a trailer park for a lot of years and always on welfare all the way through uh, high school mm -hmm. and had a roof over my head. It was, you know, nothing crazy, but, but to have nothing growing up and then to find an industry where you can come in and work really hard uh, and have a, a direct reward from that, uh, was a really neat thing. And logistics has provided that. And it does. Uh, it does. There, I mean, even our competitors, uh, it, I'm sure a lot of people have changed their lives in this industry. How So how did welfare and living in trailer park and in, in, in a modest means, as you say, how 
did that shape your your leadership perspective? You know, I just I just you know we out when we hired salespeople in the past, we always looked for salespeople that had bad jobs in the past and and hard sales jobs and and maybe came from modest means. Like we knew and 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 Access America, we hired a lot of. Uh, kids from the farm, really. I mean, mm. you know, they're hardworking people that you probably don't have a lot growing up, uh, and they see that opportunity to to to, to do something that maybe mm. they've never seen done before. Uh, and 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 I just think those have been the really good people to to have come in uh, for sure. Want to boost your productivity and decision making? Get vital insights from each episode delivered directly to your inbox. A great resource whether you've listened to the episode or not. Go to benfanning.com slash insight. So it was, it sounds like it's one of the things that shaped you in is is understanding the grit and resilience it takes Certainly. Uh, uh, to be there. And you obviously brought that to this sales organization. And then you're able to identify those traits and others. And I guess it sounds like find great fits for the culture and the goals that you're trying to achieve as, as an organization. Yeah, I personally think it's what America is all about to, to be able to, you know, change your class in the, in the end, right? Mm-hmm. To, to, to pick yourself up, up out of a position and, and change that position. I, obviously, I love this country. Uh, and, I, and I think that's what it's all about, what, what capitalism is. Mm-hmm. So sometimes the leaders come on and I ask them, what's your favorite failure? And so let me turn that your way. What What's your favorite failure? I would say, uh, to be honest, uh, the first few years of steam logistics, uh, you know, when we sold our business to Coyote, we had a seven year non-compete on the domestic side. So we couldn't move domestic freight. And that's what we were good uh, at. Now, steam was at the time a freight forwarder only. We could only do international uh, freight. So we had seven years of international only. I didn't know that industry well. I thought what we did and what made us great in domestic was going to be great in international. And I was going to be able to step into steam and we were just going to take off and, and double in sales every single year. And and I was uh, surprised by how uh, that did not happen. So uh, for four years, we struggled mightily uh, in this company. And, and, and really years that I truly believed we weren't going to make it. Like the, the company was not going to be viable uh, for that there in my opinion there's just no path to profitability and and so we just struggled for a long time and it easily could have uh, justified uh, shutting the business down to be honest uh, so just getting through that and mm-hmm. and finding people that knew international and just grinding it out I mean we had a time where we laid off half our staff in in 2015 we it was they were terrible times uh, wow. and and so you know, we we got things really going in, in 2018, 2019, and then in 2021, we're able to start domestic again. And and over the last three years, our uh, our our sales have gone crazy. So it it makes me think of of you know Phil Knight and Nike and and uh, you know the, uh-huh. the Netflix story and Sarah Blakely and just people that you know Phil Knight should have given up a hundred times. But he he was almost dumb not to give up. Uh, and, and just seeing how it, reading his book and from Shoe that dog, perspective, right? yeah, yeah. And no, just no. not giving up ever. And, and so we were just fortunate that we didn't give up because today we wouldn't have the company we have employing 900 people, giving people an opportunity to change their lives. Uh, and, and so I'm so happy we didn't, but it, it sure would have been easy to do that. And, and so 
there was a lot of failure the first four yeah. years. At, so, at, so why didn't you give up if it was so bleak? What what kept you going? I don't know. I mean, I I was so fortunate uh, to have an exit at, at, at the first company. I didn't need to come to work every day, but there was just something inside me that said, you know, we have to make this work. Uh, and and so I just came to work every day, and we, you know, it certainly wasn't me. We we brought in some really good people. I mean, we're, we're, we're at where we're at today because of great people that we've hired and they've worked hard and they believed in, in, in what we've, we've kind of sold them. And, and so, yeah, I just, it, it was certainly a lot of failure for, for too many years. I'll just say that, especially after having so much success going from, you know, we went from 50 million to a half a billion in sales in, in five years at Access America when we sold that to Coyote. Uh, and so it was really difficult going from having so much success to being in a, in a position where you're failing miserably for a lot of well, years in a row. Well, what's the worst leadership advice you've ever heard? I've heard people say, do you want to do $8 an hour work, $80 an hour work or $800 an hour work? Uh, and, and, you know, they're implying that you should only do $800 an hour work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when, when you grew up the way I grew up and you started where I started, uh, you know, starting in a, in a room with two people and, and I had to bust it on the phones to, to build a business. I don't mm-hmm. mind doing $8 an hour work once in a, round, a while and $80 an hour work once in a while and $800 an hour work once mm-hmm. in a while. I will literally clean the urinal if I need to, to make sure that we move forward as a company. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you wouldn't want to do that all day as a leader, but once in a while, you need to show your people that you're willing to do anything at all mm-hmm. in the company to, to move forward, to, to help them to help them see what you're about. Uh, so yeah, I, I always thought it was, I didn't, I, I'm not a fan of that advice. Very insightful because at a per hour basis, of course, the $800 makes sense. Yeah. But what you're saying is, well, really, if you're doing $8 an hour work sometimes, but you're impacting and you're demonstrating something important for all the other employees around you, it's yeah. really not eight hour work anymore because you have to take into consideration the value that everyone else is contributing and the value that they'll give in the future. Yeah. So it's almost like a, even though it may be $8 work cleaning the urinal, well, if you need it cleaned every other day of the year, it adds yeah. up. Yeah. You're, so. I think people in an organization, and and we always say it, it's saying it's not your job or you know, I, I, you'll never hear me say that ever. Um, it just, mm-hmm. I just, we just do it and get it done. We often work with leaders around the catastrophic cost of turnover and understanding, you know, how much it costs for them and the, and the negative impact of that. I'd like to get what your advice for leaders are when it comes to turnover, uh, especially considering a lot of the moves you made with the big open floor plan uh, you know, sales is such a relationship driven business oftentimes, uh, how does it all sort of equal out for you? Yeah. I, you know, we obviously pay attention to turnover, um, and, and I, there's good turnover, right? There's uh turnover that you're not happy about. And for us, I really, uh, pay close attention to voluntary turnover, to be honest, uh, involuntary mm-hmm. turn- turnover. We need to get better in the interview process. Fine. Understanding that, uh, making sure candidates understand that uh, they need to make a good decision. I, I tell people in interview all the time, don't take this job. If you think for one second, you're not going to be able to do this, don't take the job. It's going to save us both a lot of time. 
you know, it, if, if you're lying to yourself today, six months from now, you won't be here. Uh, so, you know, I just want to be really frank in interviews mm. on the involuntary, involuntary side, involuntary side, but on in the voluntary turnover to me is what really talk, tells you about your culture. I mean, it tells mm. you what the company's about uh, and the culture. And so we pay really cl very close attention to voluntary turnover. Uh, and that would indicate to me what our culture's uh, what our culture is wow. like, and maybe the adjustments mm -hmm. that we need to need to make in it, and and we really like to uh, on the involuntary turnover have a good exit interview and understand uh, if it's the opportunity or if it's personality yeah. or you know. Yeah, really, really important points here. Number one, I like your well. The best way to pre to prevent unwanted turnover is to get the right people and that want to stick around. And you're talking about being giving them a really honest view of what the job is, so they can make that decision. Yes, I think sometimes we sell the people on joining us and they get in there and they're like, well, you sold me all the good parts, but yeah. I have all these other bad parts that I really like. You have to deal with that. And uh, I like what you're saying too there about involuntary turnover yeah. being symbolic of your culture. It really is. Yeah. I, I just, I think that says everything about what you have going on. And, and, when you hired as many people as we did last year, it's hard to get it right every single time. And and not everyone's always going to be satisfied with you. We see that on LinkedIn. We, I have some, I have some uh, people that aren't fans and I get it uh, because the experience wasn't what they thought it would be. And, and, and that's understandable. I, it's like being, it's like being the president of the United States, you're going to make 47% of the people happy. Hopefully we're doing a lot better than that here, but we know oh, not everyone's always going to be. So building on LinkedIn, you've got over 20,000 followers which is a lot for a company of your size, uh, for a CEO. It's not through social media is not your full-time jam. I'm assuming. Yeah. What, what does that mean to you, uh, for being so active on LinkedIn? Yeah. I, you know, LinkedIn for us as a company, uh, has been more about getting our brand out there and what we're about, uh, mm -hmm. as a company. And, and, for recruiting purposes, uh, we like to make sure people know what they're getting into here. And I think I think we have a lot of engaged people. If you look at LinkedIn, there isn't a more engaged logistics company on earth. Uh, and and that uh, I'm not sure what company that is to put that stat out, but we're we're we are number one every month. And and that's not forced. Our people are posting on LinkedIn. They post videos of them hitting the gong or the new customer. They post videos mm -hmm. of of what's going on in the office. They post that they're happy about their job. Uh, and we're not pushing that at all. Uh, we we don't ask our people to to post on LinkedIn, and I and I wouldn't want to. I'd rather see that it is organic, uh, and that we do have a good culture uh, and and a good place to work. But you know, for me personally, you know, I've been a big uh, advocate of ending non competes. I think that's obviously we've mm. uh, had a lot of following around that, uh, and and uh, and just our culture and and our growth. I think people really like to kind of see and and want to follow that. Uh, so that's how I feel about it. I think our brand recognition is really good because of it. Uh, and that's really all I care about, uh, to be honest. It's noticeable. It's noticeable on LinkedIn. And uh, I would say from my perspective, when the president is so active, you're even though you're not telling your team to do X, Y, Z on LinkedIn, they're following your your lead on that. Hey, this is how I think about it. And they see it being effective for you and they're proud to share it. And it's amazing how much, how, how effective that can be with being vulnerable.
authentic and being willing to be out there. Uh, I mean, it's a pretty cool. Yeah. And it's super genuine. I mean, we, it's not, there's nothing scripted staged. I mean, and I get, as we get bigger, more people are more skeptical and, and, and say certain things on there, but it is a very genuine, uh, what we put mm-hmm. out, uh, what's going on in our office, what's going on with our company. Uh, and even with the non-competes, we, I mean, it doesn't benefit us to want to end non-competes, but it benefits the average 23 year old out there that signs something they didn't know they signed and they can't go somewhere else in the industry. Like we want to do the yeah. right thing for, for young people in the industry and, and keep that talent within logistics, even though it doesn't automatically you know, per se help us, you know? Sure. Right. It's, and, and there, that is, it's been incredible how the mindset has shifted around that for leaders so quickly with the lawsuits and everything, you know, on a very national scale. And I think when a company doesn't non-competes, it changes the mindset of every single person in there yeah. to know, yeah. uh, Hey, we really, I mean, it, 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 it amplifies the importance of retention. Yeah, we tell people all the time, um, if this isn't right for you, we understand. Uh, and and I wouldn't want to chain them to the desk. I, companies that say they need a non-compete to protect their their business interests, uh, it's just not true. They can do that with a non-solicitation or or some type of uh, uh, another agreement, but it doesn't have to be a non-compete. Yeah, it also makes your company, I suspect, rethink your resources. And there may be some people who aren't as high performers and they they can go or they yeah. need, you know, and it allows you to, but the people you need to keep the ones that'll be catastrophic to the company, have them leave, can focus your resources there. You know, on the flip side, uh, what's the most colorful time without naming names of when someone quit or was fired? We've had a cut. Co- I mean, we've had a lot. I, I have a, a bi-weekly meeting with HR just to kind of get updates. And it's it. And when you have this many people, it's very interesting what's going on. Uh, and I do it mostly, I don't want to say for recreation. I do like to know what's going on, but just to kind of hear the stories. But I mean, we've had some, we've had some crazy stuff. I mean, I've, I've had, uh, an employee download our whole database, like, and, and, you know, that taught us some lessons. They can't do that anymore. Uh, but it, and it was years ago, but you know, they left with a, a stick of everything oh. we had and, and you know, you have to go and sue them and things like that. I, I remember a girl absolutely hyperventilating and screaming at the top of her lungs uh mostly because she didn't get a promotion but it was just i mean there's been some oh. unreal hr things that have happened uh here and and i just it's i, I guess i would want to not uh burn any bridges when i'm on my way out that's a good that's a good idea we had we had one episode where a, a ceo was on and said that someone had gotten the news that they were going to be terminated and they uh, lit a fire in a trash can, all out of the office TV show up at a up up in a up in an area, and it ended up catching the entire office building on fire. <sighs> now, fortunately, no one was injured in that, but yeah, that they had to call the police on that one. I oh, mean, yeah. that's yeah, that's wild, wild, wild. All right, so shifting gears on that. Over the years, you've had a lot of ups and downs. You you know, you've shared a lot of these with us. What what is and what has been your biggest source of inspiration? Uh, I would say, and I look back on this, uh, I would say it was my mom because, you know, and when my parents got divorced, I was in fourth grade uh, and and there were three kids. You know, they gave us all the choice for some reason to go where you want to go. I went with my dad. 
and, and my brother and sister were with my mom. Well, she had to move into a one bedroom apartment uh, in the city. And, and, you know, the one bedroom was for the two kids. And she slept on a pullout couch for years. Uh, and she mm-hmm. was, I mean, she busted it. She worked her rear off to stay off of welfare, frankly. Uh, and she just refused. She just re- absolutely refused to be on welfare. And, mm-hmm. and so that just inspired me just if you want something in life, you better get it. Nobody's going to hand it to you. Uh, and she just worked so hard through mm-hmm. those years uh, to make sure that that she provided for the two kids that she had there. Uh, and and so this is certainly an inspiration to me. Every every time I think about it, I tell her all the time. It's uh, it's uh, it, it's what I think I think about it all the time. She she definitely is wow. is a rock. Yeah. Well, what a what an inspiring story and it's so amazing to have people in our lives like that that role model that behavior and uh that that resilience and persistence and that just proactive just continuing to put one step in front of another and for the leaders listening today i mean that that can be you for your team too right your team is looking at you we talked about it earlier in the episode we know where your sales leaders are fielding calls making calls demonstrating that in front of your in front of your teams and how sometimes just role modeling behavior is the best way to teach somebody and to motivate them hmm. so good all right so starting to wind this up but man i have yeah. a whole bunch of other questions here <laughs> we're gonna narrow it down so just sort of summarizing and a couple things what are three success strategies that all employees need to understand? I think uh, you know I, I I wrote these down because I, I I say a lot of different things. I probably have thirty, but uh, you know I always tell people I I hold a class every Friday afternoon for the new uh, hmm. employees that come in. So I just I have a mindset of the broker class. It it's, goes over kind of I don't know everything. I don't, and but I've seen things work and not work. So. I love to give the advice and and I always say number one, just worry about yourself uh, and and because we have a good commission structure and, and worrying about what everybody else is doing around you oh. uh, is such a waste of time and a waste of energy uh, if you if people worry about themselves here uh, and I think that might be uh, relatable in a lot of businesses and a lot of places, but if you worry yes. about yourself, uh, you will be just fine here and that's always been. Uh, a big one for me. Uh, yeah, I like that. My, a mentor of mine says to compare is to despair. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah, run your own race. And a, another person, I think it was a friend of mine, Chris Brogan, he's like, hey, when you run it, when you're running a race, don't run it looking from side to side to see how yeah. everybody else is doing. Run it straight ahead and you'll run a lot faster. No doubt about it. Um, but yeah, I think that's great advice. And it's more challenging sometimes in your environment when everybody can actually literally see each other oh, yeah. all day, all day long. And there are some people are ringing the gong. Some people are carrying the president uh, to ring the gong with his head. Yeah. Uh, some aren't. That's so, <laughs> <so> a great <laughs> advice true. there. And I, you know, I also tell people, uh, you know, that, that they're never wasting a moment of their time here uh, because mm-hmm. we have a, a, a unique model where it's cradle of grave. So you're doing cold calls you're doing your pricing freight you're uh you're you're doing the operations piece of it booking it doing uh brokering the freight so that they, they, you're learning so much so hmm. many skills that don't just not just logistics but just business skills that you can take anywhere uh you know if you leave here in three years because you have a better opportunity that's that's fine with us we we get it 
Uh, but every moment of your day here, you're not wasting a single second. And, and so if people mm. do that, uh, and continue to try to learn every day, they just improve themselves. And that, that's, that's yeah, incredible I mean, for us. That, that's great advice. Cause it can, it, it really is such a proactive look at your work day. Even if you feel like, Hey, I don't like doing this. This is not what I want to do. Well, Hey, you're still moving forward. Yeah. What are you learning? What are you gaining from this moment? And charging them to really pull out for themselves what it is so, so they're not wasting their time. And I love the fact that every experience can be a learning opportunity. Yeah. And I guess third, I would say I really push people to believe in themselves because uh, even if you, hmm. especially when you're young, like when I was younger, I thought, oh, if I lost this job, it's the end of the world. Like I, would, I don't even know what I would do if I lost this job. Well, well there's lots of jobs out there. Uh, and so if you believe in mm. yourself every day, and again, you, co- you continue to learn, you're not wasting your time. Uh, and if, and if the, something catastrophic happens, you lost your job, especially at a young age, you've learned skills, you believe in yourself. And now you go into the net, you go to the next opportunity uh, and, and you go to kill that. So I just, I think if people believed in themselves mm. a little more, uh, I, I think that they would be in much better shape. So, so good. And it reminds me of journey. Don't stop believing. <laughs> <laughs> don't so stop believe and then it's like, hold on to that feeling uh oh yeah uh yeah that hey that could be your company theme song if you could get the rights to it absolutely yeah. <laughs> we'd probably get sued yeah, yeah probably okay we yeah. have to come up with a different song our our but, general uh, counsel would hate me more yeah right? okay we're not gonna we're not gonna splice any journey but y'all go check yeah. out journey uh, and there's a reason that song is so epic because i think belief and believing the possibilities and yourself is important. And I do think when you embody that mindset of believing in yourself, you're more willing to take risk, which I know is part of the sales process and your philosophy, because you know, hey, if I get myself in the hot water or I get some nose or I take this and it doesn't work out, I believe that I can improvise in that moment and it's going to work out okay. Because to take some of your things, uh, you're not wasting your time. Yeah. You're not wasting your time. Even the no's, the rejections, the misses, the learning. mistakes are going to be learning opportunities. Hmm. Absolutely. Steve, Steve, so, so much fun today and so good. Um, let's wrap it up here. What's your parting thought for listeners? I just, I just think, uh, I keep it simple. Uh, if I can do it, anyone can, like if I, if I'm, <laughs> if, if I'm successful in business, uh, if I've been part of uh, really cool growth organizations and been able to attract talent and people uh, mm-hmm. that have that have really grown this company and, and companies in the past that anyone can do that. So uh, I, I, I just like saying I just like saying that. Yep, such a relatable leader in so many ways. And uh, congrats on your success and thanks for sharing your story and perspective with us today, Steve. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. If you're an executive at a crossroads in your career and thinking about quitting, do this before you do anything else. Head over to benfanning.com slash quit to receive a free signed copy of my number one best-selling book, The Quit Alternative, The Blueprint for Creating the Job You Love Without Quitting. You'll learn the critical questions you must answer before you make such an impactful decision. Go to benfanning.com slash quit to get this valuable resource for just the cost of shipping. 
Ben Fanning is a number one best-selling author, Inc. Magazine columnist, and CEO of the Fanning Group, an international consultancy and corporate training company. To learn how they can help your organization, go to benfanning.com.